Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Wow. I'm so excited. At 8.15, we're going to be talking to a trainer. This town is filled with them. How do you become the best? Because you got to know what you're doing, not just in lifting weights. Because trust me, I'm writing another book. I've written three books. Heal Your Hips, Heal Your Knees with Lindy Yui. I'm writing another book. You know what it's called? Stop Exercising, You're Killing Yourself. Because I make a living with people who take Advil because it hurts, but they're still going to go to the gym because someone told them no pain, no gain. Great. No pain, no gain. You're going to end up with Advil in my office because you wore out your knee or your hip or your shoulder. And then they come to me and say, Dr. Clapper, I've had three cortisone shots. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad they numbed up the pain. Did anybody bother to figure out why you're having pain? Maybe that would be a good solution figuring out why you're having the pain and address that rather than just give you pain pain shots and pain pills. It's as idiotic as giving someone who's coughing Robitussin. Yeah, they feel better. Cortisone will numb up the joint. You feel better when you take Robitussin if you're coughing. But what if you're coughing because you got pneumonia? You better take antibiotics, not Robitussin. Go after the reason for the cough. Not just the cough. But there ain't money in that. This whole system we have is messed up. Don't get me started. Let's talk about happier things like teaching. Trainers and trainees. Let's talk about Mike Tyson, the boxer, bestowing all the credit on a man who adopted him when he was 13 years old from an institution he was sent to because he had been arrested 38 times running the streets of Bushwick, Brooklyn, getting into trouble. They finally put him into the Catskill Mountains, an institution for wayward boys. And one of the men who worked there loved to box. He trained this 13-year-old boy for a few months and said you know what young man you're really good you need to go to the next level of trainer you need to go to this 70 year old man named Customato. he trained floyd patterson you have a future in boxing and this 13 year old kid said i do that was mike tyson it's the state of mind that cuss put me in why are you jumping around he never, like, if you watched any of my earlier fights, you never saw me, when Cuss was alive, that was, you never saw me jumping around and celebrating. Because Cuss, I would come home and Cuss would watch the fight with me. We'd go over the fight and he said, after he'd go over my mistakes, he said, why are you doing that? Why are you jumping around? Do you think you've been practicing this every day for six weeks? And um, why are you jumping? You've been doing this every day. In the, you've been getting the same results every day in the gym. Now you get in the ring, you jump around, act like it was an accident. And so... I expect the people to be knocked out, so that's why I never really celebrated. Mm-hmm. Only as a, late I did out of arrogance, but when I was first training, I expect people to be knocked out. When I first met him, I was just a young street kid, and I never, um, this is very interesting. I, I can't believe that I'm, I'm trying to explain this. I never had, um, besides confidence, I never was envious or jealous of anyone before until I met Cuss. You know what I mean? And, um, he gave me those qualities. Well, he made me aware of them. I probably had them all the time because I gravitated to them quickly. So he um, he made me aware of those qualities. He trained you. That um, you should have this. Uh, you right. could beat him. You're better than him. That's right. Not And not that you could be better if you work hard. You could be better and you could also achieve good things. You're better than him. Mm-hmm. And this and that. And why should he have that and you shouldn't have that? Mm-hmm. Why, why should he be better than you? And I never would. And that was... And I was intimidated, I would say, because he would say it really forceful. So um, I never had those qualities, and those qualities allowed me to um, 
I don't know, um, ascend to just achieve um, accomplishments. That's right. You can say greatness, not achieve achieve greatness. You are great, Mike Tyson, in the world of boxing. You are great. But you lit up like a light bulb as well. I mean, he, he got you reading, watching films of old boxers and, and educated you in a way that you hadn't been up to then. Well, that's all I ever thought about when I was in my early team, 13. Um, it's all I thought about was fighting and wanting to be a fighter. I didn't wash much. I didn't do anything much. I just thought about fighting. I read about fighters. And that's just, um, I wasn't told, I wasn't asked this, which I was told this is what you're going to do. You know, I never said, well, this is what I'm going to be a boxer. I would say, this is what, you know, you're going to be champ of the world. This is what you're going to do. We're going to be champ of the world. And that was just my goal since I was 13. And Cuss would say to friends very soon after he met you that this kid's going to be the heavyweight champion Yeah, of the people world. didn't believe him because I was so small. You know, smaller, thinner. I was heavy, chubby, but I was for a heavyweight champion. I didn't have the, um, well, this is interesting. I didn't have the appearance of a heavyweight, physical appearance of a heavyweight champion. But he saw it. I don't know what he saw in me, but what he saw he it. What did he see in me? And now he sits down with Jeremy Schaap, and he can't talk about him without crying. That's how emotional. That's how special that trainer and trainee relationship can be. It's a part of you. I just met me. I'm a little kid. He said, you're going to be the world champ. It's interesting, Mike. You get emotional when you talk about Cuss. But you've said Cuss didn't like it when you showed emotion. Oh, yeah, like that. Why didn't he want you to show emotion? Was, did he equate it with weakness? I don't know what he did. Now Jeremy Schapp says to him, when he says, what did he see in me? Jeremy Schapp, the expert, says, you're, you're a physical specimen. And then Mike Tyson teaches the expert, Jeremy Schapp, and teaches all of us. Just like Gary Vitti taught me. Talent is the most overrated thing in sports. It's focus. It's determination. It's character. Listen to Mike Tyson teach Jeremy Schapp. There's more to it than being a physical specimen. You okay? How could I ever do an interview about him when I start crying? Yeah, this guy know. I didn't know I was the one. Well, you were a specimen. Takes more than that to be a fighter. Takes more than that. Yeah, he's talking about my character and my discipline and he, I didn't know what discipline was so he explained to that discipline is doing what you hate to do but do it like you love it that's right that's exactly right be focused I want you to hear Customato's voice it is the mark of a great fighter when he has character plus skill because a fighter with character and skill will often rise and beat a better fighter because of this character is that quality upon which you can depend under pressure and other conditions. Character makes the fighter predictable. Character helps him win. Now, what does that relationship have to do with this woman singing this song? Why do stars fall down from the sky? That, ladies and gentlemen, weekend warriors, is the angelic voice of Karen Carpenter. Who at age 32 passed away. Her brother, her trainer, her singing partner, Richard Carpenter, doesn't have his student anymore. Just like Customato died pretty early in the game for Mike Tyson. What do you do now? Richard Carpenter faced with that dilemma. He no longer has his student. He can't just stop. You have to have new students. Well, the lesson plan's the same. Well, good. You got to change the lesson plan up for the new student. Don't keep it the same. But going back into the studio and working with all of that material and all the stuff that you and Karen had done, that must have taken some getting used to. 
Yeah, it does. In in uh, in one way, it's uh, it, it's business as usual because we spent so many years mm -hmm. in the studio. Uh, so the mechanics of it are second nature. Um, the, the troubling part, of course, was that uh, it, it keeps reminding uh, a person, reminded me, uh, that she was no longer here. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, she will it, it's nice. Here. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we've uh, she left a marvelous legacy, and uh, in, in one sense, uh, it's troubling, and in another, it's nice to know at least. Uh, her voice is still with mm -hmm. us, and it was still, in a way, like like working with yeah, her. Is there a temptation to try to recapture the sound? I mean, Karen's sound was so unique. The phrasing, and I, I said timeless, and it is. It indeed. is, yes. I mean, I'd, up until Karen uttered her first uh, word in song, I mean, we had never heard a sound like that, and it was very unique. Is there a temptation to try and recapture that? Because not, it is so special. Not, not in, in the... Uh, the lead singing. Obviously, the, certain tracks on this album will sound very Carpenter-esque because I handled all of the uh, arrangement and production of the Carpenter's tracks. But don't make Dion Warwick or Dusty Springfield try to be Karen Carpenter. There's only one. You may have that lesson plan, trainer, but you better modify it for the different client, the different student, the different singer. But as far as um, uh, lead singing, each uh, the people I mentioned, Dusty and Dion, they're they're greats, and and they have their own style. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, uh, Dusty had mentioned, "Well, I wonder how am I going to make it sound just like Karen?" And then it dawned on her, he's not going to want that, and I didn't want that. I wanted Dusty to sing as Dusty sings on one of my songs. Fred wants uh, a quote of yours that no matter what happens. Uh, to me and the rest of my life, nothing will mean as much as the Carpenters. That's true. And you can use that in a positive way, can't you? Uh, well, I certainly can, because it's a comfort to me that, uh, I mean, to me, I, I had the privilege of, of being Karen's brother and professional mm -hmm. partner. That's the way I look at it. And no matter what happens, um, we, we did uh, have the opportunity to make those records, and they will always be around. And that's... Uh, a great comfort to me. And what I love about Richard Carpenter is he's now an older man. He continues to evolve the lesson plan. Now he's taking on an orchestra, no less, to modify his lesson plan. That's the ultimate trainer. It starts again with just piano and Karen, so... And then the vibe comes in. And then Karen just... I do, suddenly the song that started it all. The rest is history. Richard and Karen Carpenter had hit after hit in the 70s, but their career together was cut short when Karen died in 1983. She had the eating disorder anorexia nervosa. She was only 32 when she passed away. Heck, she was just maturing. I, well, I think I try not to at times think of all the different things that we could have done or I'll hear a certain song, or an older song, and think, eh, if we'd only just done this, just for fun. Mike Tyson's life unraveled when he lost his trainer. Richard Carpenter, as the trainer, life didn't unravel when he lost his trainee. He's still modifying the lesson plan. But now, more than four decades on from their heyday, Richard Carpenter has rearranged some of the duo's biggest hits. It's the latest project for the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, putting a new spin on the recordings of music legends and, for the first time, working closely with one of the original artists. There are certain things I'd heard through the years as I listen to our old songs every now and again, and I think, 
Uh, boy, I, I'd like to have another crack at that. So just playing the, using the same part with that many more strings just gave it a richer sound. One of the challenges that was facing me as an arranger uh, was having all of that, that symphonic-sized orchestra and not overdoing anything. That's key as the trainer. You don't want to overdo it. Coming up next, we're going to learn from a master, the great Christian Fabrizio, my favorite trainer in Los Angeles. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Mondays always get me down. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited to learn all about Karen Carpenter and Richard Carpenter, Customato and Mike Tyson. What do they have in common? Training. A trainer. Joining me now is the best in the business, the great Christian Fabrizio. Christian, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Hey, Dr. Clapper, how's it going? I appreciate you having me. Uh, Great to be here. I just want everyone to know who you are and what you're up to because it makes me so proud to see you evolve and get better and better and better at this. So let's get right into it. What exactly is a trainer? What exactly is it that you do? I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I make a living operating on people who think that they could exercise and eat whatever they want and exercise themselves through a bad diet. This is crazy. Teach us a little bit about what it is that you do and what your philosophy is. Well, I do a few things. Um, I work with pretty much anybody you can think of. I have a nine-year-old client. I have an 82-year-old client. I have a couple athletes. Wow. A couple weekend warriors. A yeah. couple people just looking at size. <laughs> um, people that like competing in strength sports. People with physique goals all, all over the board, really. Mm. Um so what I do is I, I do their, their nutrition, I do their programming. I've got a lot of people that are post-op that have just graduated physical therapy, and I'm getting them back to sport mm. after uh, bridging the gap, if you will, um, kind of all over the place. Uh, I'd say nutrition and programming would probably be the two most common things that you'll see me working with an athlete or a mm. client with. Mm. Those are the two most uh, popular, most popular fields. You know, I love seeing pictures, we all do, of Bruce Lee, okay? To me, you want a physique? Look at Bruce Lee. I don't think he ever lifted a weight in his life. But the way he maximized his musculature, his body fat, he can teach us all a few lessons. What is it that goes into the success? You must see transitions all the time of the big, fat, schlubby person who comes, and you can now shape them. But just like Customato and Mike Tyson say, there's more than being a physical specimen, right? You have to get into their brain, into their head, into their attitude. Teach us a little bit about that. That's right. The psychology, I'd say, would be one of the first things that a, a trainer would need to address before even thinking about programming, nutrition, biomechanics, any of those things, physiology, biology, psychology comes first after getting a background of this person and kind of knowing how they operate and how they're wired. This listening to the things, things that they fear, things that they've done in the past, their own perceptions. Uh, many have kinesiophobia when they first come to me. They're, they're fearing certain movements. They think they're fragile at certain positions, certain things like the deadlift, for example, or bending over and using their back. Axial loading seems to be a pretty common pretty common fear for most people they think that their back is at risk and they're made of paper mache hmm. things like that would be very important to address right off the bat because if they're if their head's not in and you're not really sure that this person can understand exactly exactly what the goal is of this entire process the blueprint you're really not going to be getting anywhere it doesn't matter the diet it doesn't matter how you structure the programming it doesn't matter uh, the progression scheme until they understand what exactly is being done and that they can be doing these things without having to worry about injuring themselves every five seconds. Hmm. 
after all, the injury risk in strength sports and and uh, well, things like powerlifting, bodybuilding, strongman, Highland Games, CrossFit. These have some of the lowest injury risks out of any other physical activity, averaging at about three to four injuries per thousand participation hours. Mm. Uh, most have a turnaround time of under nine days if an injury is sustained. Mm. So letting them understand statistics like that would be something that would be super beneficial for just about any trainer working with a gen pop client, an athlete, anybody that's returning to sport from an injury, hmm. this is a safe place. Uh, we control just about every variable in this environment. There's a, we could, we could make something as regressed as we'd like. We could progress however we'd like. If we have the right exercise and blueprint, um, we can control just about anything here. So it's supposed to be safe. Addressing the psychology around that, I think would be one of the most important key factors in this, in this whole realm. Hmm. And then just understanding how this person responds um, how to talk to this person, how to uh, level with them. Some people like negative reinforcement. Some people like positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Some people like to be built up. Some people just want support. Some people need a person there to guide. It's, it's all over the place. But understanding how that person is wired is probably the most important thing a trainer can do before even getting into science of any kind. If that would be, that would be first, mm. psychology. If you don't mind, Christian, because I want to pick your brain and take advantage of the fact that we have your brain in the room right now. I want you to listen to this soundbite where Tyson says to Jeremy Schapp, yeah, I may have been a specimen, but it takes more than that to become a champion, to become a boxer. Listen to this. You okay? How could I ever do an interview about him? I start crying. Yeah, this guy know. Yeah, dude. I didn't know I was the one. Well, you were a specimen. Things more than that to be a fighter. Yeah, he's talking about my character and my discipline. And he, I didn't know what discipline was, so he explained to that. Discipline is doing what you hate to do, but do it like you love it. What do you think? What comes into your head when you hear that? I think that's spot on. Discipline is the key word here. Uh, motivation is something people like to like to bring up a lot. I don't feel motivated to do this. I don't feel motivated to do that. It's hard to work work out after I work. It's hard to get up early to work out before I go to work. Mm-hmm. I have kids. I have this, that. It, there's lots of things going on. Most people don't have the luxury of being a professional athlete where their job is to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where discipline comes into comes into play. Motivation comes and goes. Discipline stays. Discipline is something that should be there all the time. That's what carries you through those tough times when it's not really fun to train or when it's not really fun to eat this way or you know that you have certain physique goals and uh, your friends want to go out on the weekend and drink all night long and, and or you have to get up early in the morning and you're going to pull an all-nighter anyways to go out with your friends. There's a certain time and place for these things, and people are humans and not robots, and not everybody's a professional athlete, but it's the discipline that gets you to your end goal. The, the, the thing that makes the whole process worth it um, and in the end is seeing your goal be achieved. And if you can't be disciplined, the motivation is not going to carry you. That's sporadic. That'll be there here, gone tomorrow. Um, discipline is really what takes a person from ground zero to their end game. Doing the things that, are, doing the things that aren't easy, aren't fun, like Mike Tyson said. Uh, getting up in the morning and making your breakfast that your coach planned for you. Hmm. Um, doing this tough top set after uh, – after the warm-ups didn't feel so great, but giving it your all when you're on your top set, doing your back-off work after your top set, like it might be fun, and you might, or it might be, you might feel like you just had a great top set, and it's time to leave the gym. We uh, mission accomplished, but really, it's that volume after the top set that's carrying you into your next PR. Mm. Uh, you might not want to do it, but the discipline will make you put your head down and actually complete the task, so you can get there at the end. Mm. Discipline is everything in sport and. And life, every context or realm, discipline really is the driving force. I just love your perspective, Christian Fabrizio, because you see this relationship as life. It isn't just a trainer with a trainee. And to some extent, for me, Mike Tyson is the epitome, and those words you just heard is the perception from the trainee. What did he see in me? You know, and all of that. But now I want to go the other way. I want to play a soundbite with the words of the trainer. And I want you to tell me what you hear where a trainer is saying 
I don't expect you to be like all the other clients, all the other patients, mm-hmm. all the other pe- each person needs to be treated uniquely. So you can't force the lesson plan down someone's throat because if you do, they'll fight back. They'll gag. You have to be right. able to modify. So I want you to listen to this soundbite from the trainer who happens to be Richard Carpenter talking about working with someone other than his beloved sister, his key student. Now he's going to have to work with someone else. But as far as um, uh, lead singing, each uh, the people I mentioned, Dusty and Dion, they're, they're greats and, and they have their own style. And so, of course, uh, Dusty had mentioned, well, I wonder how am I going to make it sound just like Karen? And then it dawned on her, he's not going to want that. And I didn't want that. I wanted Dusty to sing as Dusty sings on one of my songs. What do you hear when you hear that, the perspective from the trainer? I think that uh, he's essentially saying that he needs to use, he needs to exploit a person's strengths mm-hmm. and use those to hit his, his advantage as opposed to trying to use his own, uh, maybe his own anecdote that he had with another mm-hmm. person. He's, he's going to avoid using only or, or solely that anecdote mm-hmm. to drive his blueprint for this next person. But he's going to instead exploit the person's strengths and use those to his advantage so he could get a better uh, tailor his approach a little bit more to that individual instead of trying to treat every single person like a white sheep that they all have or a robot that has the same set of tools, the same psychology, the same biology, everything exactly the same or histories, but instead making it a more unique, tailored approach to that individual, having somebody who, say, I don't know, doesn't like to, has pain at the bottom of a back squat, for example. That person does not need, if they're not competing in powerlifting where back squat is one-third of the sport, Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily need to be back squatting, per se. We can use another squat pattern that might be Mm pain-free that could be just as good as that back squat. Mm -hmm. We're going to achieve the same end result, more or less. We're going to get to the same place just via a different route. Um, You can't force a movement on somebody. You can't force a food on somebody. Somebody can't stand chicken. They don't need to eat chicken. There's several other lean protein sources that can get them to the same, get them to the same place as far as diet's concerned. Hmm. It's, it's about making, the, making that thing more realistic for a person instead of trying to force. Every, when somebody's not enjoying the process, it's very unlikely that they're going to adhere or it's going to be sustainable. Sustainability is really, is really the most important piece of the pie here. It needs to be done for a long chunk of time, not just one day, one week, one month. Uh, goals take a while. Um, if somebody's worried about being strong or improving their physique, that's a lifelong pursuit. Mm. So it needs to be sustainable. So that, that trainer needs to work with that person and be realistic about his approach instead of forcing things upon, upon a person, whether diet, whether training, whether lifestyle, like I brought up the going out on the weekends thing. Mm-hmm. A person might want to go out on the weekend sometimes. <laughs> they don't need to be in their house. Uh, banging their head against the wall, watching paint dry every weekend of their life. There's time and a place, and they need to work with that person and their lifestyle and their psychology and things that work with them, diet, nutrition. It all needs to be programming. It needs to be, it needs to be tailored. Work with that person's strength. Bring up some weaknesses. But after knowing what, what the per, how the person's wired and how they operate, back to the psychology, the Christian, strengths need to be exploited. This may be radio, but let me tell you something. We can all... See through the radio the smile in your face when you talk about something with such passion and such love. It's going from ear to ear, even though this is a radio show. It's you're a breath of fresh air. I could talk to you for hours. I got one last question: training style. How do you structure workouts? The whole idea: the quadriceps in front, the agonist, the hamstrings in back, antagonist. You got to balance the front and the back. The multiple joint movement patterns. How do you do this for the economy of time? Take us a little bit into how you create the structure. Well, in in essence, I, I attack basic movement patterns, and I, I do, of course the exercises have some variation and variability, and there's no one. Um, however, the basic movement patterns I address would be a vertical push, um, so an overhead press of some kind, paired with the antagonist. For example, like you said, the um, or the, like a pull down, a pull up, 
something vertical or pulling in that same plane that I just pushed in. Horizontal push, a horizontal pull for the upper body. A mm-hmm. uh, hinge pattern, one of the most important, I'd say, in daily life outside of sports. Mm. Um, the squat pattern for the lower body as well, working in the sagittal plane, the frontal plane, transverse. We're kind of trying to have movement in each of those planes while also addressing those main movement patterns. Those would be very the, the movement patterns such as the overhead press, the, the squat, the hinge pattern like a deadlift, RDL, bench press, bent rope, pull up, pull down. These are very inclusive of lots of musculature, multiple joints at once, moving at once, working together as a collective unit, requiring the midsection to brace the way it's supposed to. These things, these things complete uh, or kill several birds with one stone, <laughs> if you will. Mm-hmm. You could get a lot done in a very short amount of time if you're proficient at these movements. So somebody that doesn't have a ton of time would be would benefit greatly from mastering uh, an overhead press, a standing overhead press, or a uh, a back squat of some kind, or front squat, or a deadlift, bench press, bent row. Mm. These movement patterns will force isometrics. We would include pauses, concentric contractions, eccentric contractions, or work in the sagittal plane, frontal plane. We could find an element of transverse plane here. Um, mastering these movements will get a lot done very quickly, and if time is of the essence. I like pairing a row or a pulling pattern with that pressing pattern. So if we're overhead pressing and time is of, and time is a important factor for most people, I think that pairing that with a pull down or a pull up or whatever vertical pull you chose in your programming would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, your heart rate stays a little bit more elevated. You get more of a conditioning component to it all as opposed to just to doing your set resting, doing another set three minutes later resting. You get to keep moving. Mm-hmm. You get to keep the momentum going. You get to take – you get to make your time more efficient, and you get more done in a smaller chunk of time while uh, protecting the joint from both sides, anterior and posterior, As after all. Uh, Otherwise, you end up in and- my office, Christian Fabrizio. Listen, <laughs> before right, I let you, I could talk to you for hours, and we, we really so much enjoy hearing the passion that you have for it. Before I let you go, tell us, the Weekend Warrior, how they can get a hold of you to really get a consult with you to see what you're up to. Um, well, you, I, you could uh, find me on Instagram at chris.fabrizio, C-H-R-I-S dot F-A-B-R-I-Z-I-O. Okay. Um, you could email me at chrisfabrizio1 at gmail.com. Great. And I'd love to hear from anybody. Uh, I'm here to help. Well, an <laughs> honor and a pleasure to have you this Saturday. And please give a big hug to your beautiful dad, David Fabrizio, who's just the reason for all of this. Uh, truly a great pleasure to hear you, and you can tell in your voice. We can see it through the radio. You're the best of the best, and thanks for making time to be with us this morning. Appreciate you having me, Dr. Clapper. Thanks a lot. My pleasure, Christian. Wow. All right, Warriors, the lines are lit up. I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Wow. Let's do some Clapper vision with the Weekend Warriors. I can't wait. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show. Every time you are near, close like me, they long to be close to you. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the beautiful Karen Carpenter. I'm looking at all the phone calls, all the lineup. We got someone named Tony, someone named Alfredo. I feel like I'm in the mafia here. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. You you better take this call. You'll wind up in the trunk of a car. All right. For that reason, let's go to Tony first. Tony, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Don't shoot me. You're talking to me? You're talking to me? <laughs> hey, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pleasure, pleasure talking to you, Doctor. Um, my pleasure, Tony. How I, young are you? What did your father do for a living? Where did you grow up? What high school? Well, um, my dad was a banker for um, over 40 years of his life, Wow! and um, I went into the um, medical side. Uh, I went to Hollywood High School, actually. Mm. I grew up in Hollywood, uh, California, Wow! and uh, I played sports uh, most of my life. And what do you and do now I for a living? That's why I, I no longer have any uh, needs. Um <laughs> <laughs> You're 65 I, I years old. When's your birthday? Uh, August 29th. 
Uh, you ain't a Leo anymore, are you? Uh, Virgo. Virgo, okay. I'm going to be 65 July 24th. I'm a Leo. Wow. All right. What's it like to be 65? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, we, looking forward to it. We call you We call you an Altacaca. That's what you are. That's what we say in Yiddish. <laughs> You're an old guy. You're the wise elder in the tribe. Wow. Yeah. All right, what you, you. T- so what hurt? Both your knees? Just one knee? Both. Um I I play uh, I was playing hockey uh actually um before um in the early eighties mm. and uh, I tore my posterior cruciate and my medial meniscus on my uh, right knee. That's a bad and... one to tear is the posterior cruciate because we're not good at fixing it. We're good at fixing the ACL. You tear the posterior cruciate ligament, in my opinion. It is an automatic deterioration, and you will need a knee replacement early in your life. So there you are. Please promise me you won't let them give you any shots of cortisone or stem cells or PRP. No needles into your knee. Am I too late? Uh, No, no, I didn't do any of that. Good. um, Good. You know, uh, the funny thing is that six weeks after uh, they took the cast off my uh, Right knee, I was on a plane to go to the Caribbean to go to medical school. Oh, wow. And, and um, so I had, I had to do my own uh, physical therapy. Good. Uh, with uh, wheel rims, uh, swimming in the, in the um, ocean. Good. And so basically I got it to where I was able to, uh, you know, play tennis and, and ski and all this stuff. I was... When I was when I was uh, in high, you know, playing football and all this stuff, I was able to uh, press like 850 pounds with my legs, even though I only weighed 135 pounds. Wow! And playing soccer and all this stuff, and I think uh, as you were talking with the uh, uh, trainer uh, with the quads and the uh, hamstrings, mm-hmm. I think my quads uh, over um, overpowered my hamstring, and that's mm-hmm. why I tore my. Uh, uh, you know, my knee. Mm-hmm. Probably. And, uh, yes, you need the so... agonist and the antagonist. All right, there's a book I wrote with Linda Yui called Heal Your Knees. You should get a copy. It'll teach you the anatomy and teach you the exercises to do. You're not going to let anybody give you any shots. And if you want, it's my pleasure. I'm not here to solicit patients, but if you want, you win the prize. You can call my office, tell Arnie I said it's okay. You don't have to wait four months. You can come see me, and I'll be happy to help you if you want. God, this is uh, this is what I wanted. Um, you know, I, when I went through this uh, this you know posterior cruciate experience, was the worst pain in my life. Yeah. And I'm usually a person that can take pain play, playing sports. Tony, you go go so, on the uh, website at Dr. Robert Clapp. Go on the the website, and you'll see a woman I did knee surgery on an implant, which is what you sounds like you're going to need. She's riding her bike the next day. Go and see that. That'll inspire you so you won't be depressed. Now, doctor, I have uh, my right knee is 100% bone on bone, basically. I could fix it. My left knee, left knee, even though I didn't injure it, is uh, almost like 99% bone on bone. Yeah. Uh, So it's something that we can do. Yes, I will take care. Tony Dan's, I did both at the same time. I usually like to talk people out of that, but he's a big shot, so I did both at the same time. You should do one at a time, in my opinion. But you, you yes. call my office. You tell him I spoke to you. Tell Arnie I said and, it's and okay. Arnie, you come earlier. Arnie? Arnie. He's a Stop celebrity now. Her. All right, Tony. And listen, <laughs> exactly. you're a total you stranger. So I've never met you before. Look what I'm doing for you. I need you today. Find a total stranger. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. All right? I will, doctor. I will. All right. God bless you. 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 Thanks care. for calling. All okay, right. All right. Bye. Let's go down Bye. the mafio. Let's go to Alfredo. Alfredo, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Dr. Clapper, how are you? <laughs> Good. How young are you? What do you do for a living? I am 40 years old, and I'm a high school counselor. Oh, God bless you. You're a teacher. You're a trainer. You're the most important person in our whole society. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? What'd your father do for a living? Yeah, uh, I grew up in L.A., in Bell Gardens, so I went to Bell Gardens High School. Wow. And my dad grew up, uh, he grew up, um, yeah, most of his life he's been a security guard. Wow. So did that inspire you to go into being a counselor? What is it that inspired you to do this kind of work? Yeah, well, he worked like seven, literally seven days a, 
a week, I, I rarely saw him, and he said, you know, don't be like me, you know, get your education. That's what my that's father told me. Give it to a teacher. That's pretty much what I did. At the same time, growing up in Southeast LA, I just saw a lot of people with problems, and thankfully I had parents that were always there behind me, and it wow. wasn't easy growing up because there was a lot of gang violence, and uh, I think I just found my calling in helping others and oh. with it. God bless you, Alfredo, and God bless your dad. Is he still alive? Uh, yeah, thankfully. You tell him do You tell him anytime he needs Dr. Clapper, he's got me in his back pocket. God bless him. Thank you. What's that his man is so What's his name? Strong and healthy too. What, what's his name? What was my Alfredo as well. I'm Junior. Oh wow! Isn't that amazing? You know, in the Jewish religion, we're not allowed to name people Junior. It's a very, I've never oh, wow. heard of this before. Yeah, it's like bad luck or something, but God bless the Latino community where everybody's a junior. <laughs> it's fantastic. What a cool thing. You're like, you're like a mini-me of your dad. That's beautiful. I love it. All right, how can I help you? What you do to yourself? Yeah, so a couple of days ago, I was just literally walking to work, you know, being a, a school counselor towards the end of the year. People are, are stressed out and whatnot so yeah i tend to buy healthy treats in this case i bought like a case of coffee for the team and um and walking i just literally felt my back spasm and you know it, it's like constant pain and i just can't attribute to why it's happening i'm a fairly active guy i work with a trainer you know but lately i've been taking it easy mm -hmm. on myself because about a month ago um I, got, I took an x-ray and it said it, I have facet uh, arthropathy, I think that's how you say it, in uh -huh. the L5-S1. Right. So I've been working around that and just no squatting, no deadlifting, no, no compound movements. It's pretty much the chiropractor told me to do anything in a seated motion. So even though I've been taking it easy on lifting weights, it's just so strange for me for me to just have back tightness. Even this morning I had a phone roll and it just was so Alfredo. I need you, first of all, don't let anybody give you any cortisone, epidurals, none of that stuff. I need you to get an MRI of your lower back. And I would love you, to, if they say you need a second opinion, tell them you got one from Dr. Clapper. You make them get you an uh -huh. MRI of your lower back, and then I want you to have the report in front of you so you can call here on a Saturday. I'll move you right to the front of the line, and I will translate for you with Clapper vision, exactly what the hell's going on. And I'll explain to you what facet arthropathy is, but to make that diagnosis on just an X-ray already tells me I don't like the people that you saw already. So you need to go get an MRI. I can tell you who, which spine people I like, but I really don't want you having spine surgery so fast. You need a diagnosis, and the technology is, um, is here. It's available. You just need to get it. And they'll give you a hard time. Too bad for that. As we say in New York, forget about it. You go to the supervisor. You make raise hell. I need you to get a, a regular MRI. You don't need dye injected into your back. Just a regular MRI. And then I want to go over it with you. And then I'll tell you what to do. All right, Alfredo? Thank you so much. God bless you. And you do not need to find a total stranger because you walk the walk and talk the talk every single day. We are all in awe of what you do, Alfredo. God bless you. And God bless Alfredo Sr., for encouraging you to do this. We really appreciate it. So I can't wait to hear from you on another Saturday. You got your MRI in front, then I'm going to tell you what to do, all right? Thank you so much. All right, God bless you. All right, we'll take a break. All right, we'll pay some bills. Stay on the lines. They're all lit up. Stay on the lines. I promise to get to you. What a joy it is to do Clapper Vision with the Weekend Warrior Nation. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. Every Saturday. I love it. All right, coming up next, we'll take some more calls. What are we talking about here? Somebody's got abdominal pain. Somebody's calling about their daughter. I love it. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. I don't want to interrupt the song, Jorge. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Karen Carpenter. Man, they're making it in the middle of the, all the rock and roll that's going on and disco. These two kids, Richard and Karen Carpenter, said, nope, we're going to do it our way. He writes the songs, arranges them, produces them. 
And his sister, who was a drummer, one day says, well, Karen, maybe you should try and sing. And then what comes out of her mouth is that. He says, wait a minute. (laughs) Forget the drumming. You need to be the singer. Grew up the two of them out here in Southern California. What a tragedy for her to pass away at age 32. Wow. All right, the number is 877-710-ESPN. The lines are lit up. Let's go to Mark. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? You there? Mark? Hey, Mark. Are you there, Mark? All right, I guess he's not there. All right, let's go to David. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know why I had the, uh, the, the abdominal pain. I, I don't know why. Okay, we're having trouble with the phones. Let's go back to Mark. Mark, you there? This is Dr. Clapper. You there, Mark? All right, that's okay. I'm going to tell a story that I told in the operating room yesterday. Uh, the lines are having difficulty. I told this story yesterday about things that inspired me when I was a kid in my early days. And one of them was I was at my friend's house. I must have been, I don't know, eight years old, seven, eight years old. All the ladies in the neighborhood, whenever something would break, we had a handyman that kind of took care of the neighborhood. And his name was Howie Pattinger. I'm sure he's long since dead, so I can say his name. That isn't a made-up name. That's his real name. And he, he, you called him when something broke, you called Howie Pattinger. So I'm into my friend's house, and I hear his mom talking that Howie Pattinger is going to come to the house because the dryer's broken. I was so excited. I'm going, I'm only a little kid, but I'm excited because this is the guy. He's like a rock star to me that he could fix anything that happens to a house. So sure enough, Howie Pattinger shows up. The My friend's mom says, here's the dryer in the laundry room. It's broken. It won't work. I press all the buttons. It's not working. So I looked at this giant guy, Howie Pattinger, and I said, can I just watch how you're going to fix the dryer? He goes, you know, he could, he could care a little kid. He's not something. He was not a nurturing person. So he, he said he didn't say no, so I continued to watch him. And all of a sudden, what do I see with his bag of tools and the whole stuff he's got? He's looking at the back of the dryer. And guess what happens when you have a dryer? It rattles so much, particularly a bad dryer, doesn't have the right shock absorbers. So as it's working the drying, it pulled the plug out of the wall. That's what he sees was the matter with the dryer. Why the dryer won't work because it's not plugged in anymore. So I see this. I'm seven years old. And now Howie Pattinger looks at me like, hey, you better not see this. (laughs) But I did. He says, all right, this is going to be our little secret. I'm going, what's that? My father would just plug it back in and turn the dryer on and leave. Tell the woman it's fixed. Howie Pattinger sat down. He looked at me and said, this is going to be our little secret and took the dryer apart. Spent an hour taking the panel off, doing this, made a mess. Put the dryer back together again. And before he leaves, he put the plug back in the wall. He like winked at me like this was a cool thing. And I think when I think about my life, this is my first introduction to evil, to people who do things the bad way. And it stays with you at least with me, for the rest of my life. All these years later, 60 years later, when I encounter, where you go, wait a minute, you shouldn't be doing that. I think about Howie Pattinger winking at me, plugging the dryer back in, when that's all he should have done when he first got to the house. I was telling that story as it relates to something in surgery in the operating room. Because you can only imagine being in the room with me telling stories, which is what I do here each and every Saturday. And speaking of that, next week, my guest owns one of the best Italian ISIS places here in Southern California. 
Leone's Italian Isis. And thanks to the great Jared Abrams, we tracked them down, and they're going to be my guest next Saturday. What is so fascinating about this place? What's fascinating is every place else you're going to go to, whether it's pizza, ice cream, cheeseburgers, whatever, this is a freestanding building where you pull in, you park your car right in front. It's not in a mini mall. It's not associated with a whole line of other stores. The building is for one thing and one thing only, Italian ices. And they're amazing. I had pistachio and chocolate. Blew my mind. Because when you mix those two flavors together, you start to see things with your eyes you've never seen before. I don't know what puffing on a bong is like. I've never done that. But for me, you mix pistachio Italian ices and chocolate Italian ices. Whatever is in those edibles that the guys during the week are talking about, I don't need no edibles. I need the only edible I need is Italian ices. Clapper. And this place is amazing. But it's already made me think about a freestanding facility to showcase your talents. Who did it in sports? Who did it in art? Well, Barry Gordy, who started Motown Records, worked on the assembly line to make cars in Detroit. And he was fascinated by the whole idea that raw materials, steel and chrome, entered one end of the Ford assembly line plant. The raw materials came in at one end. The factory did all its thing. And at the other end of the factory, a fully made car drove out the end. But his love in life, Barry Gordy, was to be in the music business. And so he said, I'm going to make music just like Ford makes cars. Just like that building, that freestanding facility, where the raw material comes in one end and a fully made car comes out the other end. I'm going to take... the talent that are the Supremes, the talent that are the Temptations, and teach them how to dance, how their clothes should be dressed, how to coordinate their moves, how to sing. Same raw material, and on the other end's going to pop out a fully formed star. And in sports, freestanding facility, guess who we're going to talk about? Steve Ballmer and the Clippers, because they're finally going to get their own stadium. Even though I don't want to talk about the Clippers, we got to. So until next week, I leave you with Volari, which means I'm singing and I'm flying. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio.